C Strategies LLC, The Broadcast, Becky, Micah, Remix Project Chicago, Communications, Public Affairs, Strategy, Entrepreneur, Media, Chicago, Women, Women, Wine, Chit Chat, Chit Chat, Podcast, Podcast, Byline, Public Relations, Women, Mary, Micah, Becky, Strategies, The Broadcast, The Broadcast, The Broadcast. Hi, welcome back to the fifth episode of The Broadcast, a Chicago podcast dedicated to showcasing women who are making an impact on Chicago and their communities. If this is your first time listening to The Broadcast, we are glad you found us. Now sit back and enjoy. For our faithful followers, welcome back and thank you so much for listening. I have to give a big shout out to all of our amazing sponsors. First, the Remix Project Chicago and Ventus Holdings LLC. This really is possible because of you guys. Unfortunately, my my co-host, Becky Carroll, isn't here today. She's sick. But in our studio, we have one of my favorite women, Emerald Jane Hunter, a.k.a. EJ. Welcome, EJ, and thank you for filling in. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. It's, it's literally when you... It's great to have women to count on. I called her at 540 this morning and was like, so what do you got going on today? <laughs> Are you available to, co- to co-host our podcast that you've never been to or you don't know what it's about? And her answer immediately without hesitation. Yeah, sure. sure. What time? Why not? That's really what it's about, right? Gotta have each other's back. <laughs> um, so EJ, tell us about yourself. Okay. Well, it's going to be a little long, but... Um, so I'm a four-time Emmy Award-winning producer with 15 years combined work in TV and also as an entrepreneur. Um, I moved to the United States from Ghana in 1999, and then I made Chicago home in 2003, where I started my TV career. So I've worked on shows like American Idol, American Inventor, Oprah's Big Give, and I was part of the team that started uh, Windy City Live. And there I was a producer and booker as well. Um, In 2007, I caught my first entrepreneurial bug and formed Emerald Jane Productions to co-create and and executive produce two Emmy-nominated TV shows. Um, I've consulted on a few others as well. Last year, my passion to help entrepreneurs strengthen and elevate their brands pushed me to create my Y agency, which is an integrated marketing communications agency. And the mission for us is to prepare business owners to be proactive entrepreneurs by evaluating their businesses, discovering their strengths and weaknesses, finding any opportunities for growth and potential threats. And then we create and execute a step-by-step plan um, using a combination of marketing tools to help deliver a unified marketing strategy um, that leverages the best resources available to them to quickly build their brand growth and recognition as well. So that's my passion, and that's what I'm up to these days. So you can see why I've needed EJ this morning. Like she gets, she gets media, she gets business, she gets women. So um, thank you, EJ, really, for coming and helping us out today. And I'm Micah Stamba. I'm vice president of C Strategies. I'm an Emmy award-winning journalist and entrepreneur with 13 years of experience working in both the newsroom and running a business. I also serve on the board of directors for the YWCA Metropolitan Chicago and Susan G. Komen. So that's me. That's EJ. Now let's get down to you guys. But we are super pumped to have you three on the broadcast with us today. In studio, we have Katrina Markoff, founder and CEO of Vosges Chocolates, Julie Smolanski, president and CEO, Lifeway Foods, and Christia Donaldson, founder of Thank God It's Natural. Welcome, ladies. Thank you, Micah, for having us. Isn't this place so cool? Yeah. I know. We need to to have one of those applause buttons, Jack. Can we get one of those? 
obviously the podcast is about the broadcast. So it's what women are doing in Chicago, whether it's civic business, you know, helping out your, your block club, whatever it is, women make a huge difference. You guys are running some of the largest companies in Chicago. So we're super excited to have you. We want to hear from you. Women struggle every day with how to, how to balance everything. You guys are clearly balancing it. So thank you for coming. <laughs> okay. So like Micah said, you guys are powerhouses in here and let's get started. So Julie, we're going to start with you. Tell us a little bit about what you do and how you're making it all work. Sure. Um, so my name is Julie Smolanski. I'm um, the president and CEO of Lifeway Foods, the kefir company. Um, let's see. My parents and I immigrated to Chicago in 1976 from the former Soviet Union as refugees. We were the first 48 families to be settled. Um, my mom started a Russian deli a couple of years after, literally two years after. Um, she didn't know who Gloria Steinem was. She didn't know, you know, the women's movement was happening. She learned English watching General Hospital and Dynasty. <laughs> awesome. And yeah, and um, and so she started uh, this path into the food business and food space. She actually, some of her first uh, wins and successes were importing chocolate from Europe and uh and and Greece and um, so I you know sit here and fawn over Katrina and what she's done with Vosges. Um, but then that led the path towards uh, launching Lifeway Foods. Um, kefir is a yogurt probiotic, like similar to yogurt drink, um, fermented and cultured. It's a 2,000-year-old, long, long um, historic product with ancient roots and um, you know, medicinal properties that, that really uh, lived on through word of mouth and by um, vil you know, village grandmothers making um, this product in their in their kitchens and then bringing it down to the bazaar and selling it and it li it lived by word of mouth and then um, which is why I think you know doing a podcast around it is, is very interesting or, or, or sharing these kinds of stories because now these stories just spread like wildfire um, thanks to all that technology but um, my so my parents started the company and then um, in 2002 my dad said had a sudden heart attack and passed away. I was 27 at the time. My brother was 23, and it thrust us into this position of CEO and CFO. Um, so we've been running it for 15 years now. Um, in addition, I've started a nonprofit to end the backlog of untested rape kits. I've produced a couple films. Um, let's see, um, a, a whole bunch of things, but that's kind of a big, uh, I'm very passionate about empowering um, people with as many options for healthier lifestyle and, and encourage, because um, I, I think it's a whole package of, of healthy lifestyle and improving quality of life and ultimately like building a healthier and safer world. And that kind of everything goes into that I, question for me. Is it, does it contribute to a healthier and safer world? And yeah, so... Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah. It's a good way to kind of have a mental check. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I'm so excited because one of my closest and dearest friends, Katrina, is sitting in front of me, and she is my sister, you know, in, in this world. So, and yeah. all of you are, but I have such a long history with Katrina. So, because we're, nice. you know, women in the food business, yeah. there aren't that many. We're about the leading, same age. Yeah. Or, yeah, the, you know, organizations here in Chicago or just in general. And, 
yeah, in, in general, general really, yeah, which, is, general. which is why in we're general, doing this, right? I know. Yeah. Well, when I heard of Katrina like 15 years ago or, you know, 14 years ago, the first time I, I read about Katrina, I like started to stalk her. I was like, we need to <laughs> sit down and talk. And it was like love at first sight. I know. Yeah. And I'm so glad you did. I mean, really, like, because it's lonely being an entrepreneur in general. But then when you can find another woman that's going through it with you, I mean, Julie is such a, you know, it's going to be a love fest for, for me and her because <laughs> uh, she's such an inspiration to me. I mean, she's just such a badass. Like she just pushes I, and pushes are. and we are, but I'm just saying, like, I think it's like women probably tend to also have like a purpose in their work beyond making money They use it as a platform for bringing their ideas into the world and whether it's opening minds to new ideas or making the world a safer place, there's something other than money in the conversation and in the motive of running the business. And I, and I think, you know, um, we all kind of do that, I think probably in this room, but that's something that, you know, at least with Julie, she's constantly sort of inspiring me. And I think we do that for each other about like, what else can we do? It's good to have that role model, no matter how big you get right? There's always how successful you get. There's always someone that you have to look up to, that you have to aspire to be like, whether it's, um, you know, you want to do as good as they do, or you want to help as many people as they do, or you want to just be as positive as they are. Like there's so many levels. Just like keep going, keep pushing, keep doing Just Don't, don't stop evolving. Cause you know, it's challenging being an entrepreneur. We were talking earlier, like, you know, hitting roadblocks and taking your eye off the ball and just having missteps and like, but you can't, you got to get up, you got to keep going, you can't give up and you just figure it out constantly. So having a tribe, you know, as much as we want to have a tribe connected with women is super important and, and it is lonely. So how do you find them? So I'm glad Julie kind of stalked me in the beginning. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a loner. I'm a loner. Yeah. No, it's good. No, it's good. It's and I mean, just equally also important to have a, a why behind it. Like you said, we the why has to be the focus in the center because that's what really pulls you up each time. Mm-hmm. So we heard right. from Jillian. Let's let's hear more about you and what you do okay, officially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, gosh, I grew up in Indiana, entrepreneurial mom, um, and just always thought, you know, I could do anything I wanted to do because that kind of my mom kind of was like that person. She was that person and modeled it for me. So lucky to have that gift. You know, studied chemistry, didn't love my degrees, really loved cooking. My whole life was about when I was little, I had an easy bake oven that I would like sell these cakes in the um, garage sales and stuff like that. And then I had a cake business high school and I just communicated really through food. It was my way of storytelling. I wasn't a very um, extroverted person and I wasn't a great communicator. And it's funny, but like food at a young age was my way of sharing love, of communicating creativity and ideas. And so, um, Long story short, after Vanderbilt, I went to culinary school in Paris and then traveled around the world studying food, got really inspired by other cultures and how they, what I would call ritualized food or why they ate what they ate at different times in the day. And this connection to the earth and the people that grew these things. So that I came back to the States after that traveling experience, food experience, and decided I wanted to use chocolate as a medium for storytelling. And I was very um, mindful about the color of the brand. You know, purple was the color I chose because it was 
what I found to be the highest spiritual color, the highest chakra is purple. Um, and yet it was um, also a color of regality. And I love the idea of like the soulfulness with regality in one collection. And so any, so everything about the brand was very choiceful and I knew I wanted to open minds to new ideas. I knew I wanted to bring peace to the world through chocolate. You know, I was out of college and very engaged to like make a difference. And I didn't want to just make the money. It wasn't about the money. I knew money would come. It was really about the point. What was the, what was my mark? Cause if I was going to spend the amount of time I knew I would spend on a brand, it needed to have a mark in the world. So um, you know, Vosges is, is very global ingredient wise, everything from, you know, turmeric and ginger to reishi mushroom to bacon. Um, and it's very much a luxury positioning of chocolate. Um, we have chocolate bars, but also truffles. So gifting and personal consumption side, um, really were the first 20 years ago to enter the chocolate market and have a high end chocolate bar. So what you couldn't get it at the time and also the flavor innovation. But again, it wasn't about being trendy to do the flavors. It was really choiceful about, I wanted to communicate a story. Story always came first. Recipe always came second. And then recently I started another brand of chocolate called Waldophilia, which is a more Americana flavor profile, more accessible price point. Um, with that soul of that brand, it was really about um, how do how can I share my own entrepreneurial journey from a young age? You know, I had my first business in high school with other women, girls in the food space. So Ophelia um, we created an accelerator program where we were going to find girls in high school or college who were entrepreneurs who wanted to do either get into food or were already into food. And we would have them come in. We will have them come in. We've selected our first group um, in the summer. And for three months, they'll work in every department within the organization from R&D to procurement, manufacturing, creative for three months. And then they'll get grant money, $5,000 and ongoing mentorship. And then they have to commit to doing mentorship of the next group of Ophelia's. We're only going to pick one to three. This is, you know, this is a rare person to find. There aren't that many girl entrepreneurs in food yet, but my, 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 my point of this is really the power of one. And if you can inspire others by modeling it, so video is going to be important, social, you're pro at that. But, you know, telling those stories of those girls and then making, you know, really vested in making them successful is really what that brand's about. So that's kind of my two, my house of chocolate brands. I love that. So just because this is Chicago and everyone wants to know, like, why Chicago? Why'd you pick Chicago? Two questions. Why'd you pick Chicago? And what's the um, background on the name? Um, I picked Chicago because at the time I was in Dallas and it really wasn't a food town uh, at all. And Chicago was this budding foodie town. And I didn't, I didn't really want to go to New York. I always feel like everybody, New York, everything happens in New York. I didn't, I like the underdog, I guess. So I really wanted to go to Chicago and I just didn't want to go to, and it's close to home. Yeah. And the name, um, the Wildophilia name is because I always figured I'd have two girl, a girl, but I only had boys. And I, if I had a girl, I was definitely going to call her Ophelia because I like the idea of Ophelia not dying tragically of suicide in Hamlet. And I wanted her to come back raging. <laughs> so that's why she's wild, Ophelia. And Vosges is because I had my first chocolate experience in the Place de Vosges in Paris. And I never liked chocolate before because I just didn't have good chocolate growing up. 
and they had made like a um, they froze ganache, dipped it in beignet batter, and fried it. And in the process of frying it, it melted the chocolate, and then it was like crispy, donuty exterior and liquid chocolate inside. <laughs> so that's the name. Yum. Love it. Uh, I love that because I feel like I've heard about the chocolate for so long, but I didn't know. I always mispronounce it, which I'm. It's faux. It's hard. I know. And like, I've heard it the right way, but then if like I hear it more the wrong way. Yeah. So it sticks like, in my head sure. the wrong way. <laughs> Carmine, right? One of my yeah. friends, Carmine. She's always getting me your chocolate because we're always on on Armitage, and she's like, "I gotta go into Voges," and so it's stuck <laughs> in my head because of Carmine. I'm calling you out on the podcast, Carmine. I think we don't care what you call her. You recognize it, right? I was like, keep her kefir, kefir, or what? I mean, like, it's, it's been called a thousand good. different things. I'm like, just whatever. Just you're buy like, it. just walk in the door, okay? Just buy it, like, uh, I love it. So, Christia, tell us a little bit about you. Sure. So, first of all, so happy to be in the studio today with all this girl power. It is amazing and electric in here right now. But a little bit about me. I'm originally from Detroit. I've been living in Chicago for about 14 years now. And I kind of fell into the beauty space by accident, essentially trying to solve a problem for myself, which was 13 years ago, um, had just graduated from Harvard Law School and was starting a major job, um, my first real job in the corporate sphere um, here in Chicago at a major law firm. And when I was getting ready to start this position, the first question I was thinking about was, how am I going to wear my hair to work? And this is a question that a lot of Black women sometimes have to deal with, particularly women with textured hair that's kinky, curly, or wavy. And at the time, um, I was transitioning out of a relaxer because basically I was like, uh, and for those that don't know, relaxers are basically this chemical process that black women and some women with kinky hair use that um, straightens their curls, but it's like time consuming, it's expensive, it's painful, and it exposes you to so many chemicals. And I was essentially like, there has to be a better way. There has to be a more natural way. And so kind of a light bulb you know, went off. And I was like, let me see if I can figure this out. But I wasn't like, oh, let me build an empire of natural <laughs> hair products. It was just like, I have an issue. I want to wear my hair to work the way like it's really grows out of my head. Let me see if I can figure out a way of developing products. And so I set off on this journey. I started off writing a book based on my research because I was like, this was before Facebook and blogs and Google. I was like, well, I'm going through this. There might be other people who are going through this. I was like, oh, I'll write like a little pamphlet and it turned into like a 300-page book. And then after that, we built this kind of like amazing audience on social media. Um, just women all over the world were like crying out for this information. And they were like, but where are the products? You've given us the information. So after <laughs> that, went on to develop the products. And now, um, like, you know, like we'll talk about this later. So I developed these products, but the company was growing and I was working full-time as a lawyer. And it was kind of like, the company was growing, still working as a lawyer, company's growing, working full-time <laughs> as a lawyer. And I had to eventually, um, you know, pull the ripcord and quit and do this full-time. So as of like probably two months ago, I'm doing this now full-time. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank God it's natural. Yeah, thank so that's thank God, God it's natural. It's awesome. Women are great at solving problems and hacking um, an issue and, and finding solutions. I think that's like, that's what we do in our lives all the time, like from 
the beginning of yeah. when women were made. Yeah. <laughs> women are solving problems um, in, in really creative ways. So I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all day long, right? I mean, you. How many times do you hear a man say, "I don't, I don't know how you, I don't know how you did that so quick. I don't know how you did all that." Like, <laughs> just because it's what we do, it's what we do. Um, so I'm going to start with Katrina. Running any business is is brutal, um, but as a woman at the forefront, it can be even more difficult, as we all know. What was one major hurdle that you had to clear to get your business to where it is today? <clears throat> You mean like in regards to being a woman, like a, a hurdle I might have felt as being a woman or? Was there any obstacle that you think you faced because you were a woman? You know, I always felt like it was an advantage um, because I, you know, again, had this entrepreneurial mom who was an entrepreneur in a space that was uh, very male driven. And she really showed me how it was like her advantage. So she was in janitorial supplies and that was not many, many women. And when in the eighties, when the EPA was formed and they said, you can't, but just dump the waste down the drain anymore. She started getting into hazardous waste remediation and um, recycling and whatnot. And I always just looked at like, Oh, she was charming and, and feminine and and kind of fashionable. And she was like janitor style. It all felt so, she didn't try to put on a janitor suit or anything. She wore the boots, but like in general, like she was totally herself. And I, and I, I guess I kind of got that, like be your own quirky, you kind of self. Um, you know, Julie always says, be, you be you. Cause I'm like, I don't know how to do social media. How do you, why you, how do you do that? How do you know what to do? She's like, just to be you. And it's true. It's like, just be your feminine self. And I remember also working in kitchens, you know, so I worked at amazing restaurants all over the world. And in France in particular, I remember feeling like, oh my God, I have to choose if I'm going to be a chef, I'm going to be a, a brutish, tough woman or I'm going to be a flirty, allow the coquette-ish whole thing going on with these hierarchy male chef scenarios. And I will say I chose very early on I was not going to be e- either of those. And I, and I didn't, wasn't going to fit into a kitchen. I just, and so I knew like, oh, shoot, what am I going to do with my life? Because I think I'm going to supposed to be a chef, but I can't work in a restaurant. So that's when I started my own company, really. So, I mean, I wanted it, I guess, my way. So I just started it my way. I love that. Love that. Yeah, that's that's so, really that's a, awesome. organic. I think for me, one of my biggest challenges kind of as an entrepreneur is just realizing you have to slow down to speed up. And so there was definitely a time like when maybe like a few years ago where I worked all the time, meaning working my full-time job, working on this all the time. And you think like if you put in the 70 or 80 hours a week that it moves the needle, it does, but you really need to reinvest in yourself um, and it'll move the needle even more. So I think a lot of women are sometimes under the misconception that like it's a zero sum game. Like if I don't do this, you know, you know, don't do this work, like it's not going to happen or it's not going to move forward and it will and it'll actually move forward and you'll be more productive if you just kind of be like, okay, I'm going to go to yoga today or I'm going to rest and go get my nails done. So all that's like kind of important. I'm starting Mm -hmm. to realize that. Mm-hmm. I agree. I feel like I get so much more stuff done when I have clarity. Yeah. Right. When my head is fogged and I'm just, yeah. someone's talking to me and all I'm thinking about is my list of things to do. I'm not, it's not productive. Yeah. It's not quality. Mm-hmm. 
And you are the business, right? So if something happens to you, you're not, you're not healthy and well, who's going to run the business? Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, I feel like there's been so many hurdles, but, um, you know, either personally for myself or um, within like the business, like initially it was, you know, right when my dad died, it was just, I mean, we were publicly traded. So um, that was a whole different level of stress and responsibility. Um, and it was right as um, like Enron was happening. So it was not the best time. And yeah, I you know literally became the youngest female CEO of a public trade company. And definitely people said, oh, there's no way a 27-year-old girl could run this company. That was said to me the day that my father passed away. Um, and since then, you know, I've, I've heard that in various ways over and over again. Um, I still see it and I encounter sexism even today, even when I go to a cocktail party where it's like a business group and it's members only. And, um, you know, you're one of like a very small handful of female members and you you just see all the men go mm-hmm. off into a corner. They talk their deals. They talk their, you know, they 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 are in at the table and together. And there's just like this broy camaraderie that a group of men have um, that women just don't get invited into that like little circle. Mm-hmm. And when they do get invited, a lot of times they're looking for a token female mm-hmm. to represent, to check some box off something. Yep. So it is something that I feel that I encounter even today, even even now. I mean, just a few weeks ago, somebody said, oh, because I was initially, a, um, I was planning on being a, psych- a psychologist. So I went to grad school for and um uh, somebody even said uh, in, in a comment section on a news thing, um, oh, is a social worker really um, prepared to be a CEO? I was like, oh I'm 15 God. years into it now. Wow. Oh I my think I God. have a little bit of history wow. not a proven track record. Seriously? Yeah. Seriously. I just Golly. didn't even believe it. So does, does that, because I really try to turn those moments into like the motivation as to like yeah. why I'm here. Did it you? always fuels me. Yeah. I mean, it's still, I, I think that one thing for me is that I am like this tortured soul. Like I'm always trying to prove myself to myself and the world. And I think it does actually motivate me um, for good things at the end of the day. Like good things happen out of that torture. But I, I think I will till my last dying breath try to be proving myself and my purpose in this world and my um my my worth and value I, I just think that that's something you know I I've learned to use it for myself you know for for better but I think that that's probably something that does drive me and um and haunts me yeah one thing and if you don't mind me chiming in that I think it's important for us to point out here is that we've talked about all your businesses and what you do but like let's get a sense of just how big of the business you guys are running. So tell us real quick, like where people can find your products and where you're, because I think that puts it into perspective who all is sitting here. And when people at home are listening, you really get a sense of like, why you need to be tuned in. Made it happen. Yes, exactly. So, So. okay. So for me, I, I came to work for my dad, um, almost right out of college. I went one year into grad school to be a psychologist. I was, um, in the field and I had a, a really bad experience and, uh, was not preparing to go into business, but was just trying to figure out what I was going 
going to do. Within two weeks, fell in love with Lifeway, fell in love with what he was doing, the messaging. I just, I, my mind was open and I literally caught the bug, um, the kefir bug. And uh, so I came to work for him when the company was a $6 million revenue business. And I was his first English speaking staff member. Wow. Yeah. He had okay. mostly all Russian immigrants who like really spoke in broken English right. and, you know, it was a rough um, HR situation. <laughs> and, um, and and so then I came and I helped him get to 12 million and that's when he passed away. So I took over when he was 12 million. In what time span? Don't and then um, that was 15 years ago. Nice. And then today we're about 150 million in revenue. We have a market cap of, I don't know, I haven't checked it today, but like, I don't know, 300 million or something. My goal is to get it to 500 million in revenue. So I'm that's kind amazing. of driving towards that. That's amazing. Yeah, I think we'll yeah. do it. I mean, we just we we just finished a capital expansion, um, so we actually have the capacity to get to 500 million. Right. So then we've the last two years have been building out our team to get us to that level. Right. So if you're listening. You see any key yeah. for K-E-F-I-R. I, Lifeway. I, Lifeway, yeah, right. The Lifeway, the bright Lifeway, Lifeway yes. I have it in my fridge. Thank it's what you. I drink every Thank time. You. Yes. Yeah, so, and then... Um, Christia? So right now, we're probably in the early stages. This year, we'll probably hit or be somewhere between four and five million. But um, right now, we're in about 5,000 stores. So our biggest client, of course, is Target. We love them. Um, we're in drugs, CVS, Rite Aid, Walgreens, locally, Mariano. Whole Foods, um, as well as a potentially Walmart for 2018. So um, the goal is just to keep growing this and how we're going to grow it is, you know, additional products, additional lines, um, new SKUs and probably new price points. So awesome. Um, we're about 30 million in revenue. Um, the new brand we hope will be much bigger than Vosges, Wildophilia. So that's the idea is to have this kind of better, best strategy within one house. So Ophelia being kind of more of an everyday brand and Vosges being a more um, luxury, super premium. Yeah. But I mean, I think one thing that's important is so many people like think it just happened out of the blue. Mm. And, I mean, this has been like 30 plus years for Lifeway in the making. It's been a long time for, for you know, Katrina and Vosges as well. Um, it's something that, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. And the and the company is where it does sort of happen overnight. Like there are these brands that just pop up out of the blue. Mm -hmm. And within three years, they're you know being sold for multi-billion dollars. Um, the, the setup is different in the structure of ownership too, you know, and how much um, ownership the the founders still carry or, or don't. And that makes, I think, a big difference too. It's sort of like, what do you want for your business? Do you want to create a legacy and, and make this a, you know, a longstanding brand that you are involved in or connected to, or is the goal to, you know, build it and sell it? Different, different ways to think about it and different ways to then create strategy to grow it out. I think that's huge. Yeah, it's I mean, huge for the people that for that is. women, business owners to get that. It's all about the strategy. It's right. all about the race to get there. It's all about taking the right path and yeah. accepting failures, I think is huge, right? Yeah, I mean, and like, being conservative. I mean, I, I think that there were times we could have grown so much faster, but operationally would have totally fell on our face, which would then backfire yeah, and right. ruin everything. So, yeah, I mean, we were very careful. And um, 
Oh, and then in terms of where we were sold, I was just going to also add that we are sold nationwide in all the grocery stores, Costco, Target, Walmart, Whole Foods, all the natural food brands. And then we've recently expanded, and the goal is to go global. Um, so we are now in Mexico, Canada, parts of Asia, like Singapore and Hong Kong, um, Ireland, London. Um, the goal is really to now be the global brand for kefir, the way that, you know, Tropicana is to orange juice right. or, right. Um, you know, the top soda brand. Are right. like that would be the the vision. I That's think. awesome. And the I'm, I'm looking forward to life having life. Africa. Right. right. Way of life. I'm looking forward to having Africa. We need to get that. it in Ghana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to get that we in Ghana. In Ghana. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Uh, Vosge, where can people find your chocolate? Um. So, uh, Canada, London, um, at Harrods, um, a little bit in Japan, and a little bit in um, Northern Europe. But not very big, just a few hundred thousand dollars in revenue outside of this country. It's small. It's something that we just can everyone in Chicago the US, buy it. Are you in different stores? Or are you specifically oh, at your own uh, yeah, store? Yeah, um, we have so we have six boutiques um, that we own. We have the e-commerce site, and then we have wholesale-wise, mostly the natural and specialty distribution for Vosges, Whole Foods, um, uh, Fresh Market, Mariano's, Andronico's, awesome. AG, yeah, those kinds of places. Awesome. That's awesome. Girl power right here. Right. I love it. And hopefully, like I said, we're going to add Africa on there. Yeah. So that's, that's my own personal goal. <laughs> um, so work-life balance. You guys have all spoken about it. Christina mentioned a little bit about slowing down to really ramp up in a sense. Um, if you can all briefly touch upon that, and Julie, we can start with you. Like, how do you juggle it all between, you know, kids and relationships and, you know, work-life balance? BS. Yeah. <laughs> I had to um, that word. Well, well, let me tell you, I ran into the studio <laughs> in my uh, yoga workout clothes, like smelly and work from my workout. Um, literally, uh, I, I have little tricks that I've picked up over the years. So first of all, I realize it's a marathon, not a sprint. Like literally, it is not if, you know, the first thing that drops off for a lot of entrepreneurs, women especially, is sleep and workouts. Mm -hmm. um, that's the thing that gets pushed off to the side. So I made it a priority um, a few years into this to put it into my calendar. And that literally I put in workout into my calendar, you know, run yoga. And I would go crazy without it. I mean, to me, I feel that it's these tools that we have in our toolbox to help us deal with the anxiety and stress and, um, you know, even sometimes depression, you know, going for a workout is, I think, one of the best pieces of advice I would give any entrepreneur, all humans, but definitely entrepreneurs <laughs> and moms, people in high stress positions. Um, it's just such a critical part of that lifestyle uh, that we could be our best selves so that we can then go off and do other great things in the world and, and live out our, our, our true potential. So, um, I do that. And sometimes like I, one thing that I like to do is set up conference calls and go for a walk while I'm doing the call. I can't understand the purpose of sitting in an office and doing a call. I just, I, I, first of all, tend to pace anyway, so might as well go get that workout in and, or I'll sometimes schedule like walk and talk meetings so that, you know, we could out, be out talking and walking and I just find it to be such a better use of time. Um, th those are like some little things I do. Um, yeah. 
I follow Julie on, on social media and follow her on social media right now. <laughs> it is so fun because she has so many messages throughout the day. She, um, so I'm on the board of the YWCA and she's a big supporter and it does a lot, you know, a lot of events with us, but she'll be posting one day, like we got to do this. And the next day she's like, look at my kids. They're deck. They're making their own nail polish or they're, they're making their own. And it's, it's like, Whoa, you were just, we were just with Hillary Clinton, and now we're on the kitchen floor making yeah, projects. It's it's life. such but a but that's it's, real yeah, life, and right? I, but and it's I great to show, show that. that I've made it a goal to like show even some of the messy parts that are that you know are unfiltered. Let's say yep. that are that are real and true because that is really what it is all about. You know, I and I can't be put into a box. I'm not this like. I'm not this like suit wearing CEO that is, you know, I I was young. I fell into it really early and it became, you know, I, I bring all my parts to myself all the time into my life, whether it's my, you know, passion for music or passion for food or passion for human rights or whatever those things are. Like I, they are all parts of me and they all somehow fit into my world and then what I put out and the energy that I want to put out and and the the story that I want to ultimately tell about myself and my journey. It's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks. So in terms of work-life balance, like I said, that's something I've struggled with. I've only kind of like started to figure it out. But some of my kind of tips, the first is I really think you have to hire really good people who get shit done. Like that is so critical. People who have the ability to execute. Like it makes your life so much easier when you know they can handle it and you don't have to micromanage them. And it's just like, I can do what I need to do and they can do what they need to do. The second thing is like kind of what Julie was talking about is scheduling the things that are important to you and actually physically putting them on your calendar. So whether that's working out, dinners with girlfriends, getting your nails done, what have you, it's like, I'm starting to realize if your calendar is blank and someone has control over it, people just start filling it in with things. But if you're like, no, this is my Thursday morning is devoted to like, you know, looking for new bras on the internet, like (laughs) making my doctor's appointments, then people tend to respect that. And then you kind of respect it as well. And then I think the third thing is kind of having a little bit of an accountability partner. So for me, I'm in an organization called Vistage and I meet with a woman um, kind of once a month just to kind of go over where I am personally and professionally and just kind of talk about the things I want to work on and whether I did kind of get to work out or did get to work on other projects. And so that's how... I've managed to kind of start making improvements. I'm a work in progress, though. That's awesome. We're all, we all are. That's awesome. And admitting it is really, a lot of people don't, like, it's good to ask for help. It's okay. Yeah. (laughs) There's so many people out here, like the Vistage groups, the YPO groups. Mm -hmm. Take advantage. Yeah, for sure. You know, like, that's the, the purpose. Well, I am very weak in this category, particularly right now. I feel very weak in it. Like, I kind of go ebb and flow, like, being, like, on top of it and then sink into micromanagement, you know, like worried, not trusting. So I have issues with it, honestly. I I was doing really well a few months back when I was doing these guided meditations and like I just like took the time and I and and also also it helps me when I fast for like that intermittent fasting where I don't eat until like 12. I know that's funny about balance, but like just gives me more energy and I just feel clearer and I feel better about, I don't know, like I just feel better. There is something to be said for like clean eating and like yeah. treating, putting good things in your body. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because if I don't, then I feel guilty about that. And then I carry that guilt. (laughs) And then I have like an amazing um, supportive husband who like helps me a lot right now with kid pickups and just, you know, just the stuff of just stuff. I mean, I think that women tend to do, you know, unfortunately more in the house and then with the kids and everything. But um, but just to have a little bit of help at home. And, and know that they're with their dad is like really reassuring to me. Like that helps. Yeah. I was going to say that that's another, like, I think both of our um, partners are totally great hands-on dads. Um, The same thing. I feel like I could not have done the kid part without a partner who was going to be so hands-on. I just... With traveling Everything. or, you know, I mean, being on the planes and yeah. I need to go tomorrow. And, but then he's there. That's, it that's, doesn't feel as, as horrific to leave your child at home with like a stranger or, 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 yeah, I mean, and, and the, um, what I think is so interesting about like our partners is they're really redefining masculinity today and what it means to be a partner. And when you have that strong female, um, kind of head, uh, I think they're showing, like, like we're not going to be able to put more women into positions of power and to, you know, get that gender parity if we don't talk to the men in our lives and our society about what it does mean to be a man and what it means to be a, a an equal partner. That you know that they are equally as responsible for making sure that the kids' calendars and doctor appointments and groceries and housekeepers and everyone is all scheduled. Like they, and that, that we've been able to do, I think. I think that's the point, right? Like it doesn't matter if you have a penis or a vagina, like you're capable (laughs) of making the appointments. Right. Like it's okay. There's no, just because you called and, and made the appointment or booked the play date, does it make you more of a chick Yeah, (laughs) at all? Just breaking news. Absolutely. And I think it's really great for the kids in school to see that the dads are equally picking up. I mean, it is definitely 50-50 in in our school. Um, And sometimes, like, parents will ask me something, and I'm like, I don't know. He's a mom. (laughs) I do say, like, he's both mom and dad sometimes, and that's really great. So, EJ, what, what you you balance this well well I to be honest I I'm kind of like a mix of everything too it's just it's it's really hard and for me um I have two kids uh, 10 and 7 and um I'm very lucky too my husband does a lot of the pickups I mean just like you it's like he's it's this my daughter's in track she's in track practice four days a week my son's in soccer and then you know school she's in violin so the one time one thing I committed to is that every Tuesday it's just three hour violin from theory ensemble the whole thing we, we strung it so it's three hours so the Tuesdays are my day where I do whatever I have to do in the morning and I pick her up from school we hang out for an hour we usually eat junk food that's our moment we just do whatever and then she's in violin from 4 30 to 7 30 um and And EJ's working in her car and during that time I'm like on my phone or on my laptop or you know depending on the weather or you know how I feel and I'm just working um and then every other day it's my husband it's like he takes the kids to school he picks the kids I I'm on all the emails but sometimes I see things and I'm like I have no clue what this right. is. I, I don't know who this teacher is. I don't know. I mean, it's it's like I try to not carry too much guilt. And one thing that really um, told me that 
what what we're all doing as moms, whichever way you work it, really has a positive effect for our kids is on Mother's Day. My daughter made me a little like pamphlet with um, what she thinks of me, our relationship and all of that. And one of the little uh, notes she wrote is uh, moments that she was proud of me. And the one and only thing she said is when I started my own business and watching me become a successful wow. businesswoman. And I like wept. Like I put that on my Instagram page because I'm like, oh, you notice? You know, like I didn't even realize. Cause I'm thinking about all the things I'm missing. I'm not there for practice. I'm not there for this. I'm not there for that. I'm not there for that. And she tells me she's proud of me for that. So I think we just carry a lot of the stress and worry on ourselves, forgetting that we're really teaching our children how to be amazing, responsible uh, adults who can effect change and be part of change. Um, and so that's that. I mean, the workout part, it's funny. I've been getting group texts from my uh, group of friends who run and they're just like, we want to see you tonight. We don't care what time it is. We'll wait until 930. It's well lit. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, you Midway, yeah. yeah, High Park, we're going to go for a run. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> so I'm like, fine, I'll put it in my calendar. So I've got accountability. I've got, you know, a few friends who are um, not all entrepreneurs, but they're really hardworking. They're juggling two, three, you know, jobs. And we've made a commitment to push each other. We don't care what it takes. I see Micah tan all and running and everything. And I'm like, crap, <laughs> I need to be there. So it's really just when you open up and you own own up to whatever that is, you find the people that will be supportive um, of that. So I'm kind of a sandwich generation too. I My mother had me when she was 45. So I have an 81-year-old mother that I'm taking care of who lives with me six months out of the year. She's in Ghana for the winter and then she comes in for the summer. So while she's here, it's like, I'm going to leave here. I'm going to take her for an eye appointment. I'm going to do So it's like my mother and then my kids and then me and and you know it's like but but you have to have a why and for me the why holds so strong and so true uh, if I didn't have bills to pay I would do what I do for free mm -hmm. and I get so much you know satisfaction knowing that I'm working with other businesses and and, and we're making shit happen like she says so yeah, yeah. I, when the times when my kids have been upset that I haven't been around or not home or whatever, I go back and explain the purpose mm -hmm. of what I'm trying to accomplish and what it, why it's bigger than that one thing that I'm missing and what their role in that is and you know how what they would like to do in their world to impact also. And what is helpful. something that people, you know, we've pique their interest. They know that they, you know, you guys are really have great expertise to share, but what is something that people don't know about you, whether it's you personally or the way you run your business? I guess I'll start. I, I don't know what people don't know about me. I feel like my life story is all over the internet, <laughs> but, um, I'll say one thing, and I probably shouldn't be saying this with PR people in the room, but <laughs> I'm very authentic. And, I, and my new thing is I'm no angel because sometimes people look at women CEOs. They put you on this pedestal. They think you're perfect. I'm not. I'm human. Like, I've, you know, I'm, I'm human. So I want people to know that you can still run a business and still have, like, flaws and what have you. And so that would be what I would want people to know more about me. But the second thing in terms of our company, I think the really cool thing is that the way I was able to build and scale this company while having a full-time job was that I was able to hire kind of stay-at-home moms who had previously worked in the corporate world um, who were very talented and 
just wanted to make extra money doing it 15 to 20 hours a week, but still have the flexibility to be at the soccer practice or be there when their kids got home. And for me, that's awesome to look around and be like, wow, we value family. We value women, regardless of gender roles, women or men, but people who value family. And even though I don't have kids yet, I hope to have them very soon. But I feel like our workplace is one where it's like, I'm always like, I may not be the best at work-life balance, but I always send the message to my employees like, this can wait. There's no, We're never going to get through everything. Take care of your kids. Take care of your family. And I think that's very important. Well, it's good that you have two PR people in the room. Right. We, can, we can make sure like, any of that goes away. Okay. <laughs> what do you mean? She, she, do you have proof? <laughs> I don't know about that. Right. Authenticity is so key. It's okay. And I think that's the beauty, too, about with you and your um, Wild Affiliate program that you're um, really inspiring young people is, is that I think a lot of the millennials and I and I I guess I was having a conversation yesterday about like who really is a millennial and I'm, am I a millennial or not? I'm like, no, I'm not. Um, depending on what year you scale it. But I think it's important to really build that self-confidence, no matter whether you're making a right or wrong decision in young people. And it's so key because you look at young people now and they're so uncertain and so wavery and everything. And that's what is 90% of the problem. Make a decision, whether it's right or wrong, but also be authentic to yourself. Don't always feel like you have to apologize for who you are or what you stand for. It's like people, my, my motto, and it's not, I didn't make it up, but I would rather go where I'm celebrated than where I'm tolerated. I've been tolerated enough. I'm an immigrant who came here. I've had all kinds of different roadblocks to go through. And the stage of where I'm at now in my life, there's so many things that matter more in life than anything else, like, you know, what people think of you, whatever. So it's important to be so firm in who you are and own it as long as it's not hurting another human being and just be like, this is who I am. And if people have a problem with it, you know what? It's your loss. Bye. I, you know, bye. bye, Felicia. <laughs> Right, because yeah. So I just say bye. <laughs> That's a yeah. big smile on my face. <laughs> And my, Micah holds true. She's as authentic as can be, and that's why a lot of us love her, right? It's like, love it. Love it, love it, love it. You have to be straight up. Otherwise, people don't take you seriously when you're, when you're like telling them, what are you doing? Yeah. You don't, don't do that. Go okay. celebrated. <laughs> oh, gosh. This is what I'm trying to think. I mean, I... Um, well, I love Native Americans, like Native American, like ritual and um, culture. And so, you know, when I was young, I worked with a Native American woman in the summers. My mom set me up with her. And anyway, it's very common to do sage smudging. You just burn the sage. But I do that a lot in my office. Like as a group, we do it um, even where people hold it and they say something through the sage, like clear the energy. I'm all about clearing energy. We do that in the factory, too. I don't know. Like, awesome. I love that's, that's cool. cool. That's yeah, cool. that's very cool. It's clear the air. Culture. Yeah, clear the air. Energy when I, is. Whew. When I owned when I owned um, <laughs> my business, I I would um, people would come to me. Staffers would come to me and they'd say so and so. No, so I'd say okay, let's just hold a meeting. And I would never say who came to me with the problem, but I'd be like, here's the deal. This is the no drama zone. <laughs> so like when you walk in that door, you're gonna check the drama. <laughs> and I just need you to work for a couple hours. And then when you're, you feel the drama coming back, go Walk back out. out the door. <laughs> yes. 
Go back out the door. I love that. We'll I si- love that. We'll sigh it out. And then know, right? take a break. Take a walk. Get a coffee. Smoke. <laughs> go get a shot of Jameson. I don't care. Everything. Whatever you it need. Doesn't, I, I don't judge. Need. I'm like, I don't judge. Whatever Whatever's going to take you back to your zen. And then come back in. Because the customers don't care what you're dealing with. And I just need you to be happy and nice and do your job. And if you are overwhelmed and you can't do it, go home. Like, come back the next day. I I feel like, you know, not everyone can handle pressure and not everyone can handle the day-to-day. So allow them to handle it in their own space. Don't force them to do something. I feel like when you give people the opportunity, you don't call them out and you let them get rid of the bad energy. They... They res- they come out of it quicker. They respect it more. They're able to get back on their feet, and they and then they realize, okay, that helped me. Thanks. I need to go for a walk, and it's it's just a lot less confrontational. And I feel like I don't ever want to call someone out for having a bad day or dealing with something or or the inability to deal with something. So I would always just make light of it, like, okay, so I'm gonna. I feel like killing all of you. So I'm gonna go step outside, like, <laughs> and then I'm gonna come back. And and we it, it became you know like our company thing and you know whatever that is I feel like you have to have that camaraderie with the team and and acknowledgement of we'll get through it we'll get through it together so something that we're working on right now is launching a new non-dairy probiotic uh, drink beverage it's like a sparkling soda almost called um, Lifeway Elixirs and what I love about it is, you know, kind of what the way that I, I was so inspired by Katrina and all of the ways that she tells stories. Um, and that is very similar to what we're trying to do with these elixirs. And, you know, initially it was this label that was very white and clean. And after this election, I think a lot of my team was just feeling so dark and witchy. And there's this real like witchiness around this, um, this brand and this product, um, these elixirs. Um, and each of the flavors, whether it's tangerine or elderberry, um, we use it as a chance to share a little bit about the folklore of using that in, in sort of like creating this witch's brew. Um, and then I've been really having fun with using it as like a mixer and using alcoholic beverages, you know, whether it's sparkling champagne, you know, Prosecco or tequila or vodka. I've, we've just been having so much fun with it. So um, super excited about that and then I've spent the last year like writing a book I was going to ask you about that yeah I saw you finished it's like almost a full it's almost a memoir frankly it's each recipe is story you know there's a story and a recipe and beautiful photography and I just turned in the manuscript we're just finalizing all the copy editing so it'll be out next spring I'm so excited I, I I had so much fun with it it was such a great distraction from everything in the news and a place to really like lean into and I I it felt like writing memoirs. I'm completely obsessed with it now. Um, so I'm having fun and getting ready to launch that. And those are some really fun things I think we're working on. It's funny because I'm on a cleanse right now and my friend said, oh, do you add Tito's to your, cle- to your, to your juices? I was like, no. So I'm removing the Tito's from my juice because my girlfriends and I love Prosecco. Yeah. And we had this running joke in the morning. We're like, okay, did you get your green juice? And we're like, yep, but with Prosecco in it. <laughs> like when we're on a trip yeah. together or something. And well, so- I think it's also fun for a brand to like, we've never played with, you know, the uh, alcoholic beverages within our product. It's it's not really one of the brand attributes, I think. But this is giving us like a chance to spread our wings and do something a little bit different just to play around. But, you know, 
I've been using my elixirs after workouts too. But I should add some sparkling champagne to it. Totally. And it here's the thing. Fun. It's balanced. Like, right. you do a little good gut work, and then you have a little <laughs> Prosecco. Totally. 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 And then you have some chocolate right. with right. turmeric, which is going to reduce and inflammation. Bacon. I mean, and bacon. Like, and bacon. You guys, this is, this is <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I love it. Anything um, you guys are doing? Sure. So um, even though I started this hair care line originally, particularly for black women, we realized that, like, the products work on everybody. So from a branding standpoint, like, we're getting our messaging out there that, like, this is bigger than women of color. But from a new line and product development standpoint, we're definitely exploring the possibility of going into general market and leveraging kind of the formulations and relationships that we have currently to basically go around the corner and offer this um, these great products to to, to to everyone. So that's one thing. And then I'm also kind of in the writing stages of my book. It's going to be called This Is Only a Test, What Breast Cancer Taught Me About Faith, Hair, Love, and Business, because a lot of people want to know, how were you able to keep this company going while you were going through um, chemotherapy, radiation, what have you? It's a, such a crazy and interesting story. I tell people I started off 2016 with a cancer diagnosis, and we were in th- a thousand stores. And by the end of the year, I was cancer free. We were in five thousand stores, and our revenues tripled. And I'm like, this is this is beyond me how this all happened. So I'm just kind of committing to putting it in writing. Hopefully, it'll be out soon. Wow, that's a great. And it's very, you know, humbling when you're when you're in the hair business. Yes. And you're seeing all these women losing their hair and going through these hair, you know, you lose it in patches, you lose it. You know, it's one of the things that I've learned from joining Susan Coleman is when you see someone that is going through the radiation and the chemo that doesn't have their hair, they don't have to worry about the product and so on. But the whole fight to get the hair back and then you there with this natural that's not putting chemicals in there. I mean, it's just such a great story. So that's huge. Awesome. So we are super pumped to have you three on the broadcast with us today. In studio, we have Katrina Markoff, founder and CEO of Vosges Chocolates, Lifeway Foods, and... Fuck. Sorry. Well, we are... Three, two, one. But we are super pumped to have you three on the broadcast with us today. In studio, we have Katrina Markoff, founder and CEO of Vosges Chocolates, Julie Smolanski, president and CEO, Lifeway Foods, and Christia C.T. Donaldson, founder of Thank God It's Natural. Welcome, ladies, and thank you so much for coming on today. Cool. So uh, last question. Last question. How do you engage women in the workforce and your customer strategy? Mm. Julie. Well, I mean, we, Lifeway is so female friendly, I think, because, uh, well, my, you know, both my mom and dad started um, Lifeway together initially. And I think, you know, we are super, super supportive of various women's programs and um, both here in the community locally and nationally and internationally. So I think it would be um, kind of surprising if we, we weren't uh, that way. Uh, but we have... Um, you know, we created some nursing rooms for moms who want that. We have a wellness program. It's for both sexes, obviously, but um, 
we do see that more women tend to use the wellness programs. We have off yoga in the office or various things yeah, like that. Yeah, you guys that. do rooftop yoga. Yeah, we have yeah. all, yeah, we have like lots of different programs. And outside people um, come. <laughs> yeah, time. As long as you bring a kefir. Right, I know, right. right. <laughs> um, so, so those are, you know, I think some of the ways. And then I think we have in general, if, if you're in a position that allows for flexible work um, space, then that is open. Not everyone can, some you know, there can't be flexibility, but, um, in general, we do try to offer some flexibility. Um, and then I think, you know, for me, I think I just have like an open door policy. I'm not in the office very often. I'm running around all the time. Um, but I do think that I'm accessible and that anybody can come and, or, you know, communicate with me, um, or set up time with me or whatever. Um, but yeah, being accessible to, especially my female, uh, staff is super important to me. And, um, uh, but yeah, I think in just the messaging of the way that I communicate, um, through social media, which seems to be the best way to amplify mm-hmm. and, and communicate with my team or just the outside world, um, that, that sort of value is very apparent and runs through all of my messaging. That's awesome. Yeah. I try. Awesome. Thanks. Mm. So for me, I guess I can talk a little bit about what we do with women internally and externally. Um, communication, like like um, Julie said, I'm not necessarily in the office all the time. So what I have done, like anyone can pick up the phone and call me. But sometimes I feel like employees, men or women, they may have an issue or concern and they may not want to bring it to you directly. So I recently hired someone as a consultant just to kind of go around and take temperature checks and say, how are you feeling? How is it working with CT? How is it working with your team members? I also, at the end of the year, I feel like my team, um, in terms of the annual reviews, I want it to be an organization where they can give me feedback as well as tell me about their accomplishments because women aren't necessarily the greatest at tooting their own horn. So I'm like, lay it out here. We're talking how we can give you more money. Tell me why you're awesome and amazing. And it's like, I think people are like, wait, you want me to tell you why I'm awesome? I'm like, I have so many things going on. Go all the way in, be as detailed as possible. And then just to the external, in terms of our customers, we focus on issues in terms of women. We leverage our successes as a company to address issues related to breast cancer. I'm a breast cancer survivor, was diagnosed really young at the age of 36, and also around HIV awareness with this new drug called PrEP um, that may be of benefit to black women. Woohoo for being a survivor. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. That's how I met that's how I met Christina, That's how we met. Was through uh, Susan G. Coleman. Yeah, common event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, well, I sell chocolate, so we naturally attract women <laughs> <laughs> as customers and as uh, employees. Um, you need to have, like, the menstrual bar. <laughs> right? Man. <laughs> yes. So I think, you know, um, we have a lot of women that work at Vosge. It just is an attraction, I think, to both the, the product and the spirit of the brand and the sustainability platform. And now with Ophelia, even more so. So it's kind of like a little bit slanted, a little heavy on the girl <laughs> side, I will say. It's good to have diversity of gender, too. <laughs> um, and um, consumer-wise, you know, uh, women love chocolate. So, you know, I think we're speaking a lot to them, and especially with the Ophelia program, I think. Um, Wild Ophelia is really a strong female positioning of a CPG product. And on the back of that uh, packaging, 
we have this new thing that we're calling it um, Hey Boss Lady, and we're starting this conversation on the packaging to engage with us. So it's very much out there for you know, lady bosses, as we're calling it. Love it. Awesome. Hashtag that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Totally. I have to say, I love the, as, as a storyteller, naturally, I love the, that Ophelia is like your third child, the daughter you never had, and you're making her this wild, I mean, I love that, right? That's, that's so great. So you're living this through your work and your family and personal life. Right. And I have to say, Julie has been truly amazing because when I was a spokesperson for City Hall, I had, I had completely blindly reached out to her. She hadn't didn't know who I was. She probably thought I was like, you know, I stalked you. So I, I have to admit, <laughs> you stalked Katrina, I stalked you. Right. And um, we were putting on these small business expos and I, I just kept seeing her everywhere and reading about her. And then I first I saw first CEO and I was like, woman or first uh, youngest female CEO. And I was like, okay, I need to know her. <laughs> and that's just how I work. It's kind of how I operate. I just went after you and I figured all she can say is no. And she was so great. She's like, hell yeah. You know, I want it's, I was like, can you donate like an hour of your day on a Saturday? And she's like, yeah, where do you want me to be? Women, entrepreneurs, p- businesses, Chicago. I mean, it was just such, I love that same thing like with EJ today. So I'm super bummed to say that this is the end, but I wanted to thank you guys. Really, it's this is Becky and I um, really wanted to to do this. We do it monthly. I wish we could do it daily, but we do it monthly, and it's it's really proven to be a good conversation starter. And you're going to realize like people are going to hear it, and they're going to mention it, and they're going to say, "Can you expand on what you said, or can you expand on on your you know how you balance it all?" Because you really are like social media queen and Kiefer queen. <laughs> she is. Real, truly, we need to do a podcast. I drink walk, a lot of kefir. Oh my gosh! I love it. I love it. But you know, as everyone knows, a podcast conversation doesn't stop here. Listeners, please subscribe to our podcast. It's on both SoundCloud and iTunes, and check out our previous podcasts. Ask us questions. Let us know how you think we're doing. But be nice. Plus, the broadcast is looking for sponsors. If you're out there, we're looking for you. If you enjoy what you just heard today and you think it's going to be a benefit to others, keep the conversation going and consider becoming a sponsor. For more information, go to cstrategiesllc.com. That is cstrategiesllc.com. Okay, and then before I go, so Becky and I give this to all of our guests, and I'm going to get you one. I'm sorry, I, I grabbed three this morning not thinking. Because it was 5.40 in the morning. I know where you live. I'll just come get some more. And I have your ladle still. (laughs) I know. The damn ladle. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, So we give all of our guests a chapstick. I'll take it. That's branded with the podcast because we want all of our women to keep... To, you know, keep the mouth moisturized so that we can hear you and you Love are always, that. you know, encouraged to speak. And when you think about it, you know, just think of all the broads out there that <laughs> need to learn from Define you and can learn from what you. Is, <laughs> I what does broad mean to it's, you? Tell me. Um, I would say broad is just a woman trying to get it done. Right? I mean, whatever it is, it doesn't it have to like be professional. 40s? Was it 40s? Like, when was that term used? Was it in the 40s or 30s? Ooh, we'll have to look. So we well, you know, when I give a, a speech, positive. when I when I give a speech to women in Chicago, um, I always start off with, "The city of broad shoulders has some pretty amazing broads." Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like nice. it. Okay, we're we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna steal that to promote it. <laughs> 
So thank you guys for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. The broadcast is brought to you by C Strategies LLC, a strategic communications and public affairs firm bringing passion and veteran experience to help clients meet their business goals. Our sponsors are the Remix Project Chicago and Ventus Holdings LLC. We are produced and edited by Jack Flash. To learn more about C Strategies and the broadcast, find us on Facebook and Twitter at C Strategies LLC and visit CStrategiesLLC.com. Thanks for listening.